At Jared, we have a brilliant selection of beautifully crafted diamond engagement rings and certified loose diamonds so that you can find the perfect one for your one and only. Best selection, best prices. Enjoy the Jared difference today. Jared, love brilliantly. So today we are speaking with Jeanette Anderson, who is somebody who I have met at um, a Lyft conference, and she's a very inspiring individual, and I'm really looking forward to introducing you to her. Jeanette, how are you doing? I'm awesome, Tracy. Thank you. I'm down in beautiful, sunny Orlando, avoiding Canadian winter. I know this is about being unapologetically Canadian, but I got to tell you, I, I love Canada except for a couple months of the year. <laughs> <laughs> and do you always go down south then for the winter? Um, I Well, I created my mobile lifestyle so I could go somewhere warm. Uh, one time it was Panama, another time it was Mexico, a couple times here. So, yeah, pretty much anywhere that's not minus 30. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're from Alberta originally, though, right? I am, yeah. I was uh, born, I don't know about bred, but I was born, bred, and raised in Alberta in Calgary, and that's where home is. Uh, I just spend a lot of time elsewhere. So do you still have a, a property in, in Calgary, or, or, or do you have a home that you go back to, or do you just uh, pick, when you decide to go home, you pick somewhere to stay? Yeah, I am actually one of those digital nomad, laptop lifestyle, mobile lifestyle, whatever you want to call it. It's a fancy way of saying homeless um, people who I about five years ago, I decided, uh, well, for a long time, I wanted to have a more mobile lifestyle. And um, for a long time, I was really attached to my house. I had lots of roommates and and um, had my house for 15 years. And I did what I called power nesting because I moved 27 times in the first 29 years of my life. So when I finally did get a house, I power nested, which is kind of almost a way of saying hoarding. Um, I had a lot of stuff. And so, so when I finally decided it was time to you know, I came home one day and thought about being mobile and, and creating this different lifestyle. And I looked at my, my big, beautiful plants and burst into tears. And then I was like, okay, wait a minute. I can't have my ideal life because of a ficus. That doesn't seem right. So I finally really realized that I didn't know my stuff. It owned me. And that was enough to make me go, no, no, no. So I had, I pulled the trigger that, and I came home after being gone for several months and I'd had some roommates or tenants who had done a lot of damage to the house. That was kind of the final straw. Uh, so after doing the $45,000 worth of damage repairs and renos and so forth, it was time to sell the house. Um, and so the, the long answer to your question is, nope, when I go home, I'm often in a new place uh, and, you know, have a room in someone's place. I was in the last place for a couple of years as a base and um, heading back in April, I'll be looking for a new place. Wow. And so you leave in April, you basically you go back to Alberta in April, and then you leave again when it gets cold, and then you go back to Alberta again. Is that how it works? 
Well, kind of. The last couple of years, I, I wasn't able to be away as much as I wanted. I was uh, sick with pneumonia a couple of times last year, which is part of, I'm, I'm just allergic to winter. So really, I just can't stay there or else things don't work. Um, so I, I try to get away in either December or January and leave for four or five months, depending on the circumstances. One of the things with the mobile lifestyle is you really have to also watch um, you know, how long you're away, you have to be in, up in Canada for 182 days of the year or else it, it impacts things like Alberta healthcare. And you have to watch how long you're wherever you are, because that might impact taxation. And so it's not necessarily um, easy or straightforward, but it's uh, entirely doable. And, um, and then I get to explore and be in different places and check out different things. Yeah, no, we met, I believe we met in San Diego, right? At the Lyft conference there. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you, because you were holding one of these inspiring women leader nights, can you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about what you do with those and why you, uh, why, sure. why you gather us all together for that kind of a discussion? Sure. Well, I, let me give you a kind of the longer answer to that, because I think there might be a lot of people out there who are what I would call reluctant entrepreneurs. So these are people who might have had some kind of calling and or felt like they wanted to go in a direction and follow a passion and might be struggling with that. I, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. So of the past 50 years of no, uh, 40, 40 years of being in business, a full 30 of them has been being, you know, self-employed or entrepreneurial or having my own business. Um, and, and I, I love being an entrepreneur. I, and there are days where not so much, but, um, I, I really got this calling about eight years ago, nine years ago, I got this download from the universe kind of thing. I wrote all these pages in my journal about this thing called Bodacity. And it was about creating a woman's group, a movement and uh, a mindset, a community and a movement. And I wrote it all down and I read it afterwards and I went, Hey, I think you got the wrong person. You got the wrong number. This is not my stuff. This is not me. I'm not a feminist. Go away. And hung up the phone. And another <laughs> And they said, no, 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 really, you should pay attention. And I was like, well, no, I don't even really like women. Go away. And then because I've been working mostly with men most of my life. And and so then I get the call again. It's like, but 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 this is not my kind of stick and I don't get it. And anyway, this whole dance went on for about eight years of me trying to be in resistance and avoiding this call and not really understanding why me, why women, why now? And and finally I just ever so graciously surrendered and said, fine, I'll, it, I'll do it. Leave me alone. And stepped into Bodacity, um, which is bodacity.ca is the, the website, but really stepped into this calling to create a community and a global movement of women who are either stepping into um, their power or amplifying their power. So they're owning their voice or they're really amplifying their voice to have more impact on the world. And there's kind of the two sides of it. So one is for women who are ramping up their business and who are experienced entrepreneurs, but they might be stuck or stalled and they're, they're working on getting really clear and moving forward. And the other is for what I call the League of Exceptional Women. And that's what you're referring to. So I hold these events called Wine, Women and Wisdom. 
And whenever I'm at an event, I kind of look around the room and see who looks like they might be an interesting person, who's who's rocking it in their business, who would be someone who might be a great connector, someone that I'm just, you know, attracted to, might want to find out more about their, their you know, energy is cool, etc. Um, and I tap them on the shoulder and invite them to these events after the event. So I have a an evening where I get people together, typically in a restaurant, sometimes in a hotel room. Um, and uh, I invite about somewhere between eight and 12, 13, 14 women from this event, which by the way, if you're going to events anyways, that's a really good idea to do to connect with people on the Sunday. If it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event, that kind of thing. Cause many of them aren't flying out until the next day. They have nothing to do. It's a great opportunity to kind of network and really connect at a deeper level because typically in these events, you're, you're busy, they're busy, busy, busy. So it's a way to really connect. So it's part of me I like to say I connect and coll- I collect and connect brilliant women. And so well, and, and just to interrupt you for one second before you continue, I just want to say that for that particular event, it certainly worked brilliantly because the the people in that room, you get a connection because you've all just experienced this wonderful three day uh, yeah. inspiring uh learning opportunity really and mm-hmm. and then you get to actually talk with all of the people who were in the room with you so each one of you knows where you came from you have a lot in common just from the experience yeah. and then you get to talk about what you want to accomplish in the world it was really an extraordinary event i loved it ah uh, thank you yes and i and i i think it's i mean danny and his lift event was also it was very inspiring to start with i think he's a a beautiful man fellow canadian and and has so, so much integrity. And so he really attracts people of, of high integrity as well. And you were one of those bright lights in the room. So that's why I reached out and said, hey, want to come? And it's just a really good chance, like you said, to connect deeper with um, people that are interesting and to you know, start to develop a, a relationship and connections and see how you can support each other. So I put these two events together and basically we have some wine and we maybe some hors d'oeuvres or people might order food and they answer four questions. Who are you? Who do you serve? What are you excited about creating? And what support do you need? And that's it. That's the whole thing. No pitching, no sales, just um, what are you excited about and how can we help you? And then people brainstorm and then the next person goes and we brainstorm and provide resources and ideas. And it's a, a great way to really create some tangible support and momentum for people who are up to doing cool, exciting things. Well, and then um, after we got home, we all were part of a, a Facebook group of the of, yeah. of the same people. Uh, and uh, so you get to continue connecting with people over time, which yeah. is also very helpful. It's a really cool movement you've started to build here. It's uh, I'm really uh, excited to see where it goes. I think it mm-hmm. has a lot of momentum. <clears throat> Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I really think that that in today's hyper-connected world, you know, where everybody's on their phones all the time and, and in theory we're connected to everyone, we're feeling more and more and more disconnected from ourselves, from one another. And I think that's why really creating community, but actual community, not just, you know, I have 5,000 friends on Facebook, but I don't even know many of them. And that's, yeah. that's not community to me. That's, that's something else. So, so I would, you know, I think we really long for getting heart to heart, belly to belly, and really connecting with other people more than we have been. 
Well, and as I'm getting to know you, I can see that some of what this work is connects to your regular work, which, as you said, you've worked more with men, you've worked in the entrepreneurial space for a very long time. Can you talk a little bit about some of your successes there? Oh, thank you. Um, the, well, I've been um, basically in entrepreneurship since I came out of the womb, pretty much. I had my first business when I was four, almost five. I had a garage sale so I could buy a book. Um, <laughs> there's a kind of a longer version of the story where that whole first venture was highly successful and not so successful. So the highly successful part was, um, you know, mom said, I wanted, I said to my mom, I want this book, Heidi. And she said, we can't afford it. She was really sad and upset and, and disappointed. And I think that's right then is when I decided to never again have that kind of limitation and that kind of shame that I saw on her face be something that I and other women had to, to deal with. Um, and so to me, the solution was, okay, you don't have money. You just need to go get money. It's simple. And, you know, you got to love kids because they don't complicate crap. <laughs> and so, and so I, I, I went, okay, I need money. Going to have money. I had seen someone have a garage sale in our neighborhood. So one day when mom was at work, and I'm sure a neighbor was supposed to be watching me, but it was 1964, so that a little more lax back then. Um, I just hauled everything I could out of the house and, 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 and priced it and so forth, including things like my mom's brand new, still um, had the tags on fuchsia wool dress that was a $40 dress back then, which now would be like a $300 dress or something like that. Oh, and, no. and toys and some household knickknacks and small appliances, pretty much whatever a five-year-old could carry. I, I carried out and priced and sold. And oh. and my, my mom came home from work or wherever she was, and she and I went running up and said, "Look, mom, look, look, look! I got fourteen dollars in sixty-two cents. Is that the right? Yeah, no, no, sorry, it was thirteen dollars and seventy-two cents. That's how much it was. And I was so excited. Problem, solution, done. Mm-hmm. Yeah." not quite how she saw it <laughs> so <laughs> I can imagine not yeah she was a little less excited about it than I was because she walks in the house and lo and behold her appliances and some furniture and stuff is all missing and and her dress and so she, so the short version is I got spanked I had to go around the neighborhood and try and buy back everything I could which mostly the adults would send me back you know our household stuff and I did get her dress back but the kids wouldn't sell me back my toys so I ended up losing most of my toys she took my money away um and I didn't for a long time get the book well for a while, a couple of weeks. So on many fronts, people would say, oh, that doesn't sound like a very good start to your entrepreneurial journey. But I actually think it was a great success because I had a problem. I took action. I made the money. And had I not, you know, had some interventions, I would have been able to go buy the book. And so like I would have been able to fill that passion need of mine for learning and growth, which is what that was about for me. And, and it would have been highly successful. Now, <laughs> maybe you learned to enroll some of the people who owned exactly. the shop. <laughs> yeah. I learned some very valuable lessons from that first venture. One is don't go into business with family. <laughs> <laughs> Not or really. If you do, maybe make sure that they're actually part of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, the, the second lesson was, like you said, be more enrolling uh, in that whole venture. But I also really did learn that it is highly effective if you take action and and don't let fear stop you or get in the way. So so um, 
that was my very first venture. And then I had a, a daycare in a housing tenement with up to like 20 kids in the summer, one summer when I was 11. My first employee was a nine-year-old who I used to babysit. Um, and I paid him a dollar an hour and had 20 kids at three bucks a day and made them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day for the entire summer. <laughs> <laughs> And their parents were just happy because they got rid of them for six or seven hours. And uh, anyway, so that was my first. It was such a funny time, wasn't it? I mean, can you imagine doing that now? Yep. Yeah. So it was, it was, I think entrepreneurialism is in my bones. So I've had four iterations of my company, positive results. Um, All of them are variations on the marketing Theme. So I've had an event planning company, a marketing agency, marketing training company, and, uh, you know, most recently training, coaching, consulting uh, courses, etc. And, and have been doing that, like I said, for the better part of 30 years. So um, from many stances, that would be considered successful, if not, if not, at the very least, doggedly persistent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and can you, you, I like the, uh, the beginning of that one, cause you've combined a success and a failure in one yeah, particular exactly. story, which, you know, is <laughs> almost always the case. There's very few times where we don't have some learning opportunities with every success we have, I find. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, uh, a good lesson. So can you talk about something uh, more recently that you've been doing? I know that you're giving courses and you're doing all sorts of interesting things. Mm-hmm. So one of the, um, um, challenges that I have. So a recent success that I had was uh, I was hired by another person who has two brands, Mastermind to Millions and JVology. And he brought me in to help him scale and grow these two brands, create and deliver all the content, run his high-end coaching programs, his like $25,000 a year coaching programs and stuff. Um, and and did that, learned a lot about the industry, created hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue for him, um, put a couple hundred people through all of our various programs, and really got clear on what works and what doesn't work in this kind of information product industry. Um, so the success was that I, you know, was very successful in helping him create that foundation and revenue and um, growing his business and helping lots of entrepreneurs. The the well, I don't even actually think of it as a failure part, but the where the learning came in was um, staying too long uh, because um, it was comfortable. It was what I knew. It was you know easy to do, etc. Instead of moving into my own business more strongly and sooner, so that I could make you know large dollars for myself and larger impact for myself and really focus on what I had been called to. Like I said, I was in resistance to audacity for quite a while. And that was a, a an easy place to hang out and avoid really fully stepping into um, playing that bigger game that I was being called to. So the, the success is being, you know, valued for the contribution I make and the the opportunity to grow was owning my value and owning that and doing it for myself and really stepping back into my business more fully and more um, in a more committed way to, to turning it into a business as opposed to just self-employment, um, uh, ongoing self-employment. Oh, okay. So it's you're going from really a lifestyle business to a 
uh, to a, what would you call the other business? I guess it's a a growing business. More from self-employment to business, both are lifestyle, um, but related in, in terms of, you know, making sure. I think I think we have to build a business around the lifestyle we want, not the other way around. I think that's part of why people get unhappy and miserable is because they try to fit their life into their business instead of their business into their life. And so um, the difference is, though, uh, working on scaling the business so that, it's not me selling an hour of my time for an hour's pay that I have products and services and programs that can be delivered without me that I have other sources of income so that from the business so that again, it's not me having to be there all the time in order to be driving revenue. So that's the difference between self-employment in my definition, self-employment, you have to do the work. You are the product in a business. The product is independent of you. So, ah, and so that's what you're working on is creating yeah. products that are independent of you. And so can you describe some of the products you're creating? Sure. So for instance, I have a program called What the Hell Do I Sell? How to Package Price and Position Your Expertise. Because after 40 years of working with entrepreneurs, it's really the thing that they struggle with the most. And not not just new people coming in because they actually haven't, they aren't clear enough on what they don't know to know that that's what they're missing. It's more the people who've been in business for a couple of years who have been kind of in, kind of out. Many, many coaches fall into this trap of, wanting to get, become a coach or a speaker or a trainer and a consultant. And they kind of get in the game, but not a hundred percent. And they're in resistance to selling and marketing themselves. Frankly, why most businesses fail is because we suck at self-promotion. And I, you know, hate to say it, but I, one of the lovely things about Canadians is we're humble. And one of the terrible things about Canadians is we're too humble. <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true it's a uh, self-promotion although it's interesting because now that marketing has changed the Seth Godin way uh part of uh I think that actually is a benefit for Canadians I think that Canadians really can move into the scene now because now your personality and what you give away first is yeah. is is marketing you know I, I really think the new style of <laughs> online marketing works for us very well yeah what I do, do you think too about that? It's a real move back to authenticity, to being in service, to really showing up and giving. And we can, so, you know, I, I, I like to sometimes tease some of my clients about, especially Canadian, um, about the triple challenge of being a Canadian woman um, who, you know, is trying to step into entrepreneurship. Um, typically, all three of those are, are kind of, you know, want to be in the back, not necessarily be seen, not be bold, not be bragging on themselves, not be um, self, you know, branding themselves. And, and even though it is very much more about a being in service, that doesn't mean that we don't need to be seen. We actually need to really step up to be able to serve, to be seen, to be able to serve, to be able to sell, to be able to serve. And I think that that's something that people still struggle with a lot. Yeah, it would definitely. I mean, it's a it's a challenge because yeah. so much of our role is 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 service. And when you're in service, a lot of times the person that's in front of things is not you. Yeah. So. Yeah. So my my primary program is called "What the Hell Do I Sell? How to Package Price and Position Your Expertise." 
really what we look at is the three whys and a what. Why do you do what you do? Because people buy why you do what you do, not what you do. And I can come back to that more later if you want. And why should I pick you versus all of the other coaches or practitioners or whatever it is that you do? And why do I really need what you have? And 99% of people talk about what, what they do. I'm a Reiki practitioner. I'm a speaker. I'm an author. I'm a, you know, the karmic coach or whatever they may be. And no one really cares about the what, because the what is a commodity. There's like, I was at a networking events once, there was 40 people in the room and there was five, kind of five shamanic coaches. It's like, oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, I know it was a bit unusual and weird, but, but um, still it's like, okay, so how on earth, if I was in the market for a shamanic coach, how on earth would I pick? Because they're all positioning themselves in exactly the same way. So part of entrepreneurship is really figuring out how to speak from your heart, your why, your, you know, I call it your origin story of why you do what you do to other people's hearts and why, because they will resonate with you at the base of the, uh, the um, intersection of your motivation and your intention. So I often talk about our why being where the intersection between our healing, the wounds of the past and who we choose to be in the world. So where we throw our anchors in the future, the intersection of those two points is our why. So when we are clear on that with people, it lets us, them know our motivation so they can, you know, again, resonate or not. It's very clarifying and they can know us, trust us, like us faster, easier. Um, it's based on what's meaningful to us and to them. So it's not all about pitch and hype and fluff. And it really does let them know where we're coming from and where we're going to in terms of what's our intention or how do we want to serve or what's the difference we want to make in the world. So I think nowadays marketing is really about honing those whys so that people can get to know us, like us, and trust us easier and faster and really just see if there's resonance there because that's really what's going to help them pick you versus someone else. Right. Yeah. And so when you're talking to people, that's uh... – that and you're so you're it must be kind of challenging to be from the person who is actually teaching other people how to sell while you're also selling. Do you ever find that uh, juxtaposition a little challenging? No, actually, no, because typically what they're trying to sell is different than what I'm selling. What I'm selling them is helping them sell, <laughs> so <laughs> it's really fairly easy because I want them to sell more now even and by the way I'm a big believer in this is a big wide world so even if they are exactly doing what I'm doing if they have you know if they were exactly teaching entrepreneurs how to position themselves in the marketplace so they can be more effective I'd be happy to support that because there are more than enough um, demand for services <coughs> then there is supply there's sorry just a sec <coughs> sorry about that there's over 5,000 new businesses started by women every single day in the U.S. alone. Uh, it's like 5,400 or something like that. New businesses filed in the U.S. alone by women. And, and that's just by women. Then there's all the ones by men and throughout all the rest of the world and so on. So per day. Uh, so 
there's more than enough work like for quite all a of lot of new business. <laughs> yeah. There's more than enough work for all of us. Um, and, and I'm, you know, a big believer in people will choose to work with someone that they resonate with and that fits their style and, and has the promise of the results that they need for where they're at in the process. Um, so yeah, no, I'm happy to teach other people how to sell, even if they're selling the exact same thing I have or something very similar. Um, because I know that the person's going to resonate with them or with me and there's more than enough for everybody. Well, and in the world that we're in now too, which is online marketing, uh, you can create, you can actually pick five people who do exactly what you do and create a summit and then all of you get more business together. So mm-hmm. absolutely. It's, uh, it's- yeah. And, and beyond that, you know, people in our, in our world tend to do, fortunately or unfortunately, tend to take a lot of courses. Now I have a whole little rant about that, but um, they tend to buy a lot of programs and sometimes the same thing over and over, frankly, because I believe for many of them, they think that learning is the same as doing and it's not. Um, and, I don't know and, about that because I'm I'm an author, and I yeah. one of the things authors buy more books than anyone else on earth. I think it's just because you appreciate what that other thing is more than other people might. Could be, could be for many people though. I think that they're they're busy buying courses because they keep thinking, well, I just don't know enough yet. I'll just get one more modality or one more tool in my toolkit or one more thing. Then I'll step out. Then I'll start offering. In reality, they don't need one more tool in their toolkit. They need to use the tools they have. Because what often happens is what I call um, shelf help shame. What that means is they buy a course. They don't really do it. They don't consume it. They don't apply it. It goes on the shelf along with a whole bunch of other stuff that they've bought and aren't haven't done. And then they just get to widen the gap between what they know and what they're doing. And it actually takes people out of the game. It's one of my biggest complaints about this industry um, is that I think we're taking more entrepreneurs out of the game than we're putting in, actually. And and I think that's wrong and unethical. And I am on a campaign to... Um, turn that around and not have that be the case by making sure that people actually apply what they're learning and that they, they get the right tool at the right time. And um, so there's, you know, some real practical ways to do that, but basically um, I'm really committed to people uh, moving forward and turning what their passion or their purpose is into something that they're actually profiting from and doing as opposed to, learning about and someday I'll get to it and so on. We need some yeah. skills. <laughs> spoken like the spoken like the true coach that you are. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and, in the game. Get in the game. <laughs> well and if any listeners want to join the uh, Bodacity group, I highly recommend it because there's always a bold Monday and uh something Wednesday. It seems to me every time I go to that group, which I have to admit I don't go on Facebook daily, so I don't see everything, but every time I go to that group there's another challenge forcing you to get out there and actually do exactly what you're saying is get yeah. you your work out there. Well, and and you know, I mean, we certainly do need to constantly improve and grow and hone our skills, but there's a big difference between that and what a lot of people do is avoid having to sell and market themselves by just going and honing yet another skill and getting yet another tool and so forth. So, so there's a there's a tipping point at which um, if you're if you're ahead of the people you're leading, then you can be a guide. 
if you're not ahead of them, then yes, you need to get the skills and the experience and the expertise to actually be able to shine some light down the path for them. Uh, but you don't need to be 10 years ahead of where they're at. And in fact, for many people, that's a deterrent because you're too far ahead. You're too much the guru. You're too disconnected from where they're at right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in implementation and action, which is why the Facebook group is called Bodacity's Action Heroes, because it's about taking action to move those dreams forward. Well, if there's any creative entrepreneurs listening, I, th- I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a fun group. Uh, and there are lots of Canadians in there, which leads me to a, the last question, because we've already been speaking for 30 minutes, believe it or not. I, the time goes by so quickly. <laughs> but uh, my last question, as you know, is, uh, do you consult, consider yourself a Canadian? And if so, what does that mean to you? Absolutely. So... I'm a citizen of the world, which means I love traveling. I've been to, I think, 23 countries so far and counting, lived all over the place. And I love, love, love Canada. I love our heart and sensibility. Um, oh, it's going to touch my heart and make me cry. Um, I, I love uh, that we are as generous as we are. Um, as a country, we do a tremendous amount of tithing and volunteering and, and one of the highest volunteer rates in the world. I believe we live in one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Like I said, I've traveled a lot and seen a lot of amazing places. And we forget how amazing the country is that we live in. Um, and I love that we are as committed to inclusion, acceptance, and and um, getting that we're that we're one um, more so than many countries, and certainly more so than not to get too political on you, but more so than our neighbors to the south right now, um, because I think that's so much a part of a Canadian value is uh, acceptance and inclusion, and that we are better together. Um, and that it's all aspects of the same whole. Now, you know, not every Canadian feels that way, and but I, I think culturally we are much more inclined to be tolerant in that way, and that's one of the things I love, love, love and uh, about Canada and why I would never um, not be a Canadian citizen because people have said, why don't you just move somewhere else? It's like, nope, I love my Canada. I love the freedoms that we enjoy and I love who we are as a stand in the world. Oh, how wonderful. Thank you very much. And I really appreciate all your time. I think this is going to be a, a fascinating uh, interview for our for our listeners. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And if you are someone who is an entrepreneur and you've been kind of... <laughs> Sorry. All right. Experience the Jared difference. The best prices on an amazing selection. Select your diamond gift today from hundreds of styles they're sure to love. Jared, love brilliantly.